Did you know that the human brain expresses only two fundamental emotions, love and fear? From these two, all other emotions are experienced. As Christians, we're called to live in God's love. But how do we live in love or fear? Humans can have many types of fear. There's the fear of the unknown, pain, death, and fear of choices, just to name a few. When we live in fear, we react to instead of act against our fear. But when we love, we have excitement, generosity, trust, and courage. Love strengthens and empowers, whereas fear weakens and disables. Perfect love, like a light, casts out all fear. For it says, "Fear not, for I am with you. Be not dismayed, for I am your God. I will strengthen you. I will help you. I will uphold you with my righteous right hand." Many times, our fears can be irrational. It's like believing in the boogeyman. The devil causes us to become fearful, but God is way bigger. When we give up our fears to God, we can live a full life in love that He has prepared for us. So, which will you choose, fear or love? Good morning. I'm. Uh, for those that don't know me, I'm Scott. I'm one of the elders here at the Open Door. And I have been given the privilege of making an introduction this morning. So this is Neil and his wife, Ruth, and um, he's our guest speaker today. And um, I guess the connection is Neil and Ruth have been really involved in our lives and our family's lives for over 20 years. And uh, we've done a lot of different ministry, home ministry stuff together. And the really cool connection is the same three things that we start every service with that Deidre said are the same three things that Neil and Ruth have had a just it's been a common common theme for many many years so i'm happy to hand it over to you thanks scott very gracious of you scott knows things about me but i don't want anybody else to know like everybody to stand up please and in your left hand i want you to hold it up and make believe that you have the bible and the word of God that he's spoken to you in this hand, okay? And repeat after me. This is reality. And all this is not. Again, this is reality. And all this is not. Let's pray. Lord, we thank you for this opportunity to gather together. Lord, this is just a... Just a typical Minnesota gathering on Sunday morning to give glory to an almighty God. Lord, we thank you for just the beauty of Venus this morning and the eastern sky, sun coming up, friends greeting us. Lord, we thank you for all of these things. I ask, Lord, that there would be something this morning that we all could take home that would change our life. I ask for us to make a difference, Lord, not just entertainment, but something where 20 years down the line, we'd say, that's stuck. And I ask this in Jesus' name, amen. You may be seated. As far as this is reality and all the rest is not, it's actually biblical. Remember, one of the three values here is that everything is Bible-based. 
Our God is the God who gives life to the dead, Romans 4, 17, and calls into being things that are not. I'd like to remind us of the saying that says, if you take a man fishing, he'll eat for a day, but if you teach him how to fish, he'll eat for a lifetime. If you give a man a word for a day, he'll be fulfilled for a day. If you give a man, teach a man how to hear for himself, he'll be fulfilled for a lifetime. The devil has worked very hard in promoting through the church that he doesn't speak to us the same way anymore as he did through the Bible. So as the devil wills, we've mostly left it to the clergy to hear God for us. It's true, clergy has a job, but their primary purpose is to equip you to hear from God for yourself. The antidote to the subject today of Gideon was the Word of God. This story about Gideon is a virtual treatise on how God still speaks to us today, you and me, Midwestern Minnesota. You see, it was God's voice that lifted him out of that wine press and set him in a place where he would defeat every single one of his enemies. Have an enemy in your life? God isn't satisfied just to push him back. He wants that enemy defeated. His word in your life will do that. In Psalm 107 it says, Some became fools through their rebellious ways and suffered affliction because of their iniquities. They loathed all food and drew near to the gates of death. Then they cried to the Lord in their trouble, and he saved them out of their distress. He sent his word and healed them. He rescued them from the grave. Let them give thanks to God for his unfailing love. Gideon was an ordinary man, much unlike David last week. David could do anything. He sang instruments, leading people. He was just, he was loaded with gifts. Gideon was more ordinary, although the Bible calls him a hero, Hebrews 11.32. I have problems with being ordinary too, so I'm the perfect person to talk to you about how ordinary people can hear God. We're looking at the story of Gideon today, and we're going to pick out six different ways that God spoke to Gideon that helped him overcome his fear and find his mission in life. And no, he didn't kill just a few Midianites and Amalekites. He got them all. God wants to do the same thing in our life. A little bit about fear. I've had uh, many speakers over the years, and some of them have said, all fear is bad. That's not true. There are some fears that are very good. Today, I drove under 65 miles an hour all the way. If we have a policeman in the crowd... Honestly, never went over 65. In fact, most of the way was 60. I had a concern. <laughs> when I drive over 65, things begin to happen, okay? There's a reason why I don't touch burners anymore. Hot diggity talk. <laughs> I don't do that. There's a reason why I wouldn't jump off this roof, and you know, neither did Jesus. That's healthy fear, healthy concern. But then there's a place where that ends, and we begin to venture into unhealthy fear. Provision during lean times. Um, relationships. 
And they gnaw away at us, and it goes beyond just a healthy fear to something where we live with, and it just goes on and on in our life. That's the kind of fear that we want to deal with. And I would submit to you today that the primary way that we deal with that fear is getting God's Word on it. So let's look at the six different ways that God spoke to Gideon in Judges 6 and 7. Number one. The people were living under oppression. The Amalekites had come in the land. They stripped the land. They leave the people starving. And I imagine they did other things too that's not recorded in Scripture. But it was a terrible time for the Israelites. They were hiding. And God sent a prophet to them. And he says, the reason why this happened is you left behind, you left, you, you did away with the God who is your salvation and you turned to idols. So he nailed the reason for it. Is there prophets today that still speak to us? Actually, in the New Testament, yes, it says there is. Ephesians 4, verse 12 says that God gave, first of all, apostles, second prophets, third evangelists, and then pastors and teachers to equip the saints to do the work. Not their job to do it. Their primary job is to equip you and me to do the work in the kingdom of God. The question many people have is how long? Oh, that was all for way back then. No, according to this verse, it wasn't. It says that it, these gifts are given until we all reach unity in the faith and unity in the knowledge of the Son of God and become mature, attaining to the whole measure of the fullness of Christ. Anybody here want to stand up and say that you've arrived? <laughs> no, we're all growing into the fullness of Christ, and we will be until one day he comes to lift us off the earth. So we still need these ministries for today, according to the Bible. Legally, we need these. It's a good book by Diane Harrison called The Power of Prophetic Teams, How to Do Safe Prophecy in Churches Without Hurting People. Excellent read. You can get it on Amazon. Diane Harrison, The Power of Prophetic Teams. It's the first way that God spoke to Gideon, and he still speaks to us that way today. Secondly, God sent an angel. God still sends angels today. Angels, according to Scripture, Hebrews 1, 14, and also verse 7, says, Are not all angels ministering spirits sent to serve those who will inherit salvation? That's me and you. Hebrews, verse 7 says, and speaking of angels, he says he makes his angel spirits and his servants flames of fire. So there's two ditches with angels. <clears throat> One is just to think that they don't, they're not around anymore. The second is to develop personal relationships with them. You study scripture real carefully. God would send his servants, the angels, to give words, but the idea of developing a personal relationship with an angel was not something that he ever encouraged. In fact, if I had a neighbor and he had some servants and I wanted those servants, see once whether or not he loaned those servants to me to do something on my property or help me, maybe it would be his sons. I was That was me when I was a kid. Dad would send me over to help the neighbors. They didn't talk to me. <laughs> I was a servant. They talked to my dad. And then we can go over and help. It's the same way with God. You have 
access to God that you cannot imagine. You have access in this holy place. When God reached down from the sky on that day when Jesus died, he reached down, he grabbed a hold of a four-inch thick felt curtain in that temple, and he took it and just personally just ripped it from top to bottom, opening the way into the holy holies for you and for me. Where only the priests had gone before, Jesus had already entered into the supernatural holy of holies so that me and you could go in there every day. Opened it up. And he made a graphic picture of it. (laughs) Four inches thick. Opened it up into that place. That's the honor and the privilege that we have to go to the boss. Will he send angels? Yes. Excellent uh, story about an angel in the book, Appointment in Jerusalem, by Lydia Prince. This angel actually dressed up like a European and had a nice suit on. They can masquerade themselves as anything. Good story. It's true. Number three. This is the one I really want to talk about. Deidre sent me a uh, page out of Sarah Young's book, Jesus Calling. Almost everybody has that book on their shelf these days. Why? So encouraging. Just lifts people up. But if you read the introduction to her book, it didn't start that way. She had to carve out a place for God to come into her life. Wasn't that, wasn't that Sarah Young had to make it happen, but she had to make space in her own life for it to happen. And in the introduction of that book, Jesus Calling, she talks about how she carved out that space. And then God began talking to her through God thoughts. So this is mission control. God does not speak in my physical heart. When the Bible says that he's speaking into my heart, he's not speaking to this guy down here. He's speaking to mission control. Neil? All the messages in Sarah's book are messages from her mission control that God has talked to her. It was never meant to dead end there. If we buy the book, we read the book, our daily devotions, and we set it on the shelf, we lose. Read the introduction. It's for you. You can hear God in the same way. Every person in this room can hear God talk to them in God thoughts. In fact, everybody in this room has had God thoughts in their life coming into mission control and revealing things. I remember one day I was just minding my own business, and all of a sudden this thought comes in, mission control. Thought coming in. (laughs) He doesn't tell me it's coming in. He says, you know, Neil, I really like you. I start crying. Oh, I knew Jesus loves me. Everybody, we all learned that in church. Jesus loves me. He loves me. He loves everybody. It's really different when he said, I, I like you. I'm, I'm special to him. That was a God thought. Our thoughts come from three sources. Most of your thoughts and our, my thoughts are all my thoughts. What I think about every day. Some of my thoughts are God thoughts. And some some thoughts, especially for us men, are just flat out devil thoughts. <laughs> and we have to sort and we have to do something about them. A lot of fear thoughts are devil thoughts. And we have to deal with them as such. 
to resist them. We have to do warfare. Why did Gideon need to lay a fleece if he was hearing God out loud? If I hear God saying, Whoa, Neil, this is what I want you to do. I don't have to lay a fleece. I can hear that just as plain as when my wife says something to me. Right? So why was he going, well, God, if this is really you? It was because, just like everybody else today, like Sarah Young in Jesus Calling, those words were coming into his mission control. Gideon, tonight I want you to tear down your father's altar to idol, and I want you to build an idol to me instead. Oh, okay. God thoughts. Read the introduction of Jesus' calling, and she gives you evidence of how you can do that. Now, if you want something that's entertaining, that's not a Christian, who explain God speaking in ways that are just simply amazing, then get the book Touching the Void by Joe Simpson. Joe Simpson was on his way down in a mountain in Peru. Just him and a friend were soloing it. When he fell and slammed the bottom part of his leg up through his kneecap, which is pretty much a death sentence on a mountain like that. Then subsequently, when his friend is trying to help him down, he skid down the mountain. His friend had to cut him loose so he didn't get pulled into the crevasse himself. He got dropped into a crevasse, having been cut loose. And in the bottom of the crevasse, just like Jonah in the bottom of the ocean, God began to talk to him. He called it the voice. Amazing. There's only one voice that would lead you out of a place like that. And God led him all the way down the mountain. Even though to this day, he doesn't give credit to God. But it very clearly was the Lord. You know, interestingly enough, he had a praying mom. Yeah. Number four, circumstances. When when that... The, the Easter peoples came in to invade the land. That was a circumstance. And immediately Gideon responded. While God uses circumstances to lead us, if that's the only way of leading us, we're at a loss. That's like when you're canoeing and you're going through rapids, there's one principle that you always want to obey. And that is your canoe needs to be traveling faster than the current so that you can maneuver. Otherwise, you're dead in the water. The same way. You just don't want to let circumstances just keep taking you down in life. Just circumstances. Well, here's an opportunity. Oh, that's a great idea. Um, you want to have other ways. You want to be traveling faster than just the circumstances. Number five. He laid a fleece. God, is this really you talking to me? Well, I'll tell you what, God, if... It's just you talking to me. I'm going to put this piece of wool on the floor. And tomorrow morning, if it has dew on it, the area around it doesn't have dew, I'll know it's you talking to me. In the morning, he squeezed out a cup of dew. Next day, he reversed it, dew on the, dew on the grass, none on the wool. And that happened, too. There are a couple of ditches to hearing God that way. <laughs> Back in the early charismatic days, well, if we see three yellow cars go by in the next seven and a half minutes, we'll know God is telling us to go to that meeting. Here in Spicer, it would be, well, two snowplows. <laughs> they will know it's God telling us to go to church, except God is not going to send two snowplows to tell you to go to church. How come? Because he already has it in the Word of God. It's written. 
Let us not forsake the assembling of ourselves together like some people do. But let us continue all the more now that his coming back is drawing near. That was written close to 2,000 years ago, and if it was near then, it's nearer now. 2,000 years nearer now. God's command for us to assemble together, come together as a family. Number six. Oh, another, uh, another uh, ditch for dreams or for uh, laying a fleece is, is that if you go to a, a lot of seminaries now, even the Bible believing ones, they say, well, God doesn't speak that way anymore. Oh, really? If you want a really good picture of God using a fleece, to tell somebody something, then go check out Jonathan when he was wondering whether or not to go up and attack the Philistines. He says, God, if they invite us up there, and it was just him and his armor bearer, if they invite us up there, we'll know it's you telling us to go. But if they say, if they just uh, insult us, fine, we'll just let good enough alone. And they invited him up. They stepped out, presented themselves. They said, why don't you come up here and we'll teach you a lesson. And him and his armor bearer, it was so steep going up that they had to use all four hands and feet, to go up that steep grade. When they got to the top, very, if you don't know anything else about battles, it's really a bad battle position. <laughs> they have the high ground. And when they got to the top, they started killing Philistines. Yeah. So God still uses that today. Number six. God told Gideon, says, if you're still not certain, I mean, here's a novice called to lead an army. Yeah, I would have some reservations too. And so God was helping him along, calling him above who he was and what he had ever done. He says, if you're still not sure, then go back down into the camp and <clears throat> check it out. So Gideon goes down to the camp. When he goes down to the camp, there's two men, enemy soldiers, sharing their dreams. And one says to the other one, I saw a loaf of barley bread come tumbling into the camp. And his friend interprets it and says, that's Gideon. And we're toast, basically. Does God still speak in dreams today? Yes. So I have this rascal friend. I once asked him, I said, ah, Dennis, you had a couple of DWIs in your life? And he goes, a couple? He says, I've had six. <laughs> okay. So we've had a relationship over the years. And I said, Dennis, what's the loudest God has ever spoke to you in your life? He says, well... He says, you're, gonna not, you're not going to believe this, but he says, lately, I've been having these dreams. This guy is just as rough as a cop, okay? I've been having these dreams. I said, really? What's the loudest one you've had? He says, well, when I was in my 20s, I was a foreman in a shop, and we had a dust explosion. It blew the sides out of the shop. People should have been killed. But when we got done, there was 20-some workers in the shop, and when we got done picking everybody out of the rubble, there wasn't hardly more than a scratch. Whew. I said, Dennis, and I interpreted it for him. You know, Dennis, God is like us. He says, let us make man in our image. He likes to commune with us and enjoy things with us. And what God was doing with Dennis was taking him back and showing him something that he had done. You couldn't get out of that explosion hardly without being killed. But God had been in the house. And he protected everybody in that shop. And so later on, years later, he says, Dennis, figuratively he says this, let's watch that video again. 
Yeah. And he enjoyed it with Dennis, and Dennis enjoyed it all over again. By the way, God chooses the way he talks to us. I don't get a lot of dreams. Having dreams or having an angel visit you are not signs, a badge of some kind of like, whoa, God talked to me. <laughs> it doesn't work that way. He chooses different ways for different people. He chooses different ways for my wife. By the way, Ruth, will you stand up? This is my wife, 42 years. <laughs> She's put up with a lot of junk. Uh, yeah, just a wonderful to have you along today, dear. Three sources of our dreams. Most dreams are flying toasters. You remember that on computers back in the day? Screensaver, flying toasters. Most of our dreams are nonsense. Some of our dreams are God dreams, and you'll know. You'll just know this one's a God dream. And we also know, especially those dreams of fear and violence, lust, those are devil dreams. What me and Ruth have discovered about the devil dreams is that it's real easy before you go to bed, just before you go to bed, to agree in prayer against the devil dreams, whatever it is you've been having. Amazing. They quit. Totally. Totally set free from devil dreams. We don't have to live with them. So these are the six ways that God spoke to Gideon. You can check it out. Judges 6. Judges 7, he's still doing it today. He wants everybody here to hear his voice. And now, I have a couple of, basically what prophecy is, is a God thought, but you know it's, you know it's a God thought. You know that you know it's a God thought, okay? I've had a couple of those. i got one for the church, and I had one for Scott this morning, okay? Now Scott is holding his breath. You want to see what Scott looks like when he's holding his breath? He <laughs> can't get a camera on him right now. This is what he's like. He's already been holding it now for 10 seconds. <laughs> Scott mentioned something to me this morning. He said, eh, I don't talk in public. And immediately, this God thought, just whoosh. You will be talking in public. You will be ministering to men because the Holy Spirit will come on you and he makes you something different. I'm not the same person I was. 45 years ago. Not at all. But the Holy Spirit will come on you and do something that right now you say, huh, no way, not me. But when God's Spirit comes on you, it will make sense. And you'll know that the person that can do it best is the person that he's calling, which will be you. And you will speak. And you'll speak boldly. And you'll change people's lives. Because God will show you what to share. Now, a prophetic word for the church. You could say this prophetic word for the church. You could use it in any church and everybody would be blessed. But this is for you. This is what God is saying to this church. I've never said this to any other church. God is saying this to you. You are a chosen family and God is going to pour his spirit out on you. Why here? Because God just loves to surprise and send gifts. So why not here? Wonderful things are going to happen in this house that are beyond your ability to ever imagine. Why? It's Father's house. So stop quibbling about the little stuff. Stop it. 
The enemy wants to derail your mission by giving you all these little distractions. Your mission to reach this community and far beyond. Center on hearing God what your personal role in this mission is. Ask God, how do you want me to support what you are doing in this house? And I didn't just see just a little revival. I saw God using this house in a mighty, mighty, mighty way. He's already done a lot here, but you haven't seen anything yet. Amen. Salvation, the point of salvation and whether or not a person is going to heaven can be answered with one sentence. The Bible says these things are written that you might know you have eternal life. God doesn't want you to be in doubt one bit. How can you not be in doubt one bit? When this Bible was written that you might know you have eternal life. I'll tell you how. Romans 10 says that if you confess with your mouth Jesus is Lord, and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. Word Lord means owner. So basically then where you're going to spend eternity would be answered with this one question. What would Jesus say if you asked him, do you own me? Have you given your life to Jesus? That's how much faith, that's how much trust is required to go to heaven. Giving your life to Jesus. After that, life issues become different. We do things because we're going not in order to get there. I do things with Ruth because I'm married to her, not in order to get married to her. Same same thing. So during this time, you may have come to realization that something is missing. And if that's the thing that's missing, we want to have an opportunity for you to respond this morning. So if we could have everybody shut their eyes so people could have some measure of privacy in a room full of people, close them real tight, <laughs> If you want to give your life to Jesus this morning, will you just lift your hand up and put it back down again? If you've never done it, if you've never done it, you want to do it this morning, thank you. Anybody else wants to give their life to Jesus this morning? Okay. There is no official prayer. We haven't written the liturgy for that yet. It goes like this. We're all going to say this together. So you can open your eyes and repeat after me. Dear Jesus, everybody, dear Jesus, by an act of my will, I'm deeding my life to you this morning. Everything. All that I am, all that I have, I'm giving it to you. I'm becoming the renter. You are the now the landlord. Thank you, Jesus. And when we give him our life, he comes to live inside of us in a way that we've never experienced before. It isn't just believing in this nebulous thing out there. It's having the living God living on the inside of us. Begin to get, begin to, get to know this guy living in you. This connection to a living God. And your life will change just drastically. Thank you so much. And have a wonderful week.